You're listening to the Chancellor Pink Podcast on Chancellor Pink Radio. It's another Pittsburgh Steelers Good day. It's another Pittsburgh Steelers podcast uh, from your Chancellor. Chancellor, Chancy Baby, also Chancellor Pink, Mr. Pink, and Reservoir Dogs was not that good. It was overrated. But um, I, I, what I like to bring uh, to my, when I do a Steelers podcast, is first of all, case of beer. No. But I like to bring a little bit of a, more of a philosophical, people-oriented um, perspective analysis, psychological, um, hypnotic, erotic. No, but I, I like to, when I talk about the Steelers, to me, I'm a fan, but I'm not, yeah, go, let's punch each other in the stands, eh. I'm not a jersey wearer. I'm not uh, a blind zealot. And I, and I waffle. I mean, I'm not a real negative asshole, too, but I waffle. I can be really optimistic, but I can also be really negative. I can hate the refs, but I can also believe that the Steelers are capable of actually doing wrong so that they deserve to be flagged. Um, I, I'm not objective in the least. I'm a homer. I'm totally only into the NFL for the Steelers. Uh, I try when they don't make the playoffs to watch the playoffs, and it bores me. Uh, the Super Bowl bores me every year, but I watch it because I like the NFL overall and I like the commercials, sort of, and I don't know. It's an event, and I just want to be current. But the reality is I don't enjoy the NFL playoffs even when the Steelers aren't in them. I can't stand playoff sports in general or sports in general, really, unless it's my team. Isn't that weird? So, I mean, the only thing that's fun for me about sports is if it's your, the loyalty and the expression of being behind something with passion and loyalty. And then enjoying the sport because that's your guy. That's your team. That's you. That's the representation of you. So when fans talk about we did this and we did that and they are mocked and ridiculed by the media, the media should all, anyone who mocks a fan who says we, they should handcuff themselves and then jump off a very tall building because fans who say we and people who say we are true, truly love the sport. For, in my opinion, for the real reason sports are worth something. No, not the gambling. No, not because you can make money. And no, not because you can just know about all these different players and appreciate athleticism or just, I know there's some strange members of the media like Bob Smizek here locally who just, the Pirates have been so god-awful for so long, but he'll just watch them even like this year where they're on track to lose more than 100 games and he'll just be like... I just enjoy a night at the ballpark. And I don't, and it's like, really? You have a bunch of no name, nobody's terrible players out there sucking every game. And you just enjoy baseball so much. It's no. I, I, people that are sports fans like that don't interest me, you know? People that talk about loving soccer don't interest me. I mean, everyone knows soccer is extremely boring and dumb. Now, the world loves it, but that'll tell you about the world. Um, but here's why the world loves it. Loyalty, what I'm saying. So in a way, I don't, I don't really have a problem with soccer fans because to me, at least they understand the only thing that's really worthwhile about sports as a fan. And that is the loyalty. 
and the sense of that's my team, that's my country, that's my town, that's, and it doesn't matter that all the players, when I was a kid, I used to think that the Steelers team was made up of people from Pittsburgh. And my dad like chuckled at me and he said, no, these people aren't from here. They're paid to play here. You know, it's very rare that you even, you know, draft or get a player who's even in the vicinity of your area. And if you do, it's kind of neat. And everybody likes that player because they are a hometown product, you know. But I used to believe that as a kid because I was so loyal to my team. I thought there were people from my area playing for me and playing for the pride of, you know, of my town. And I think that's, again, the purity of sports, the joy in sports is, you know, winning uh, and competing and winning. But, you know, if you're watching two different people win and just watching their athleticism and beauty, I, I have a hard time with that. I mean, I, I, look, I'm not saying that there's not some validity to that and some, some value in that. So people that think that athletes are just exciting to watch because they're so good, like hockey players, oh, that's such a hard sport. Yeah, but you can't see it, you know? I mean, it's guys going up and down on skates and the puck's flying everywhere. I mean, to say, that's really hard. They're great athletes. Well, that may be true. But, like, I'd rather watch dancers, right? Because they are really good athletes and they're flipping around and they're doing things and it looks pretty. You can see the beauty of their movement to music, etc. It's visual. It's a visual art. You know, these people singing the praises of athletes, it's not artistic to watch the most of the time. Certainly never in hockey, like hardly ever. There's a rare play here or there where you actually say, wow, that was exciting because he really knew what to do with his stick, when to do it. He moved around people. You know, occasionally there's some art and some genius with the athleticism so that a hockey play can be exciting to watch. But no, you don't have to like the sport to appreciate it. It's just fans being arrogant thinking that because they know about athleticism or they were an athlete that somehow that makes it a better their opinions more valid i don't believe any of that to me there's very little to enjoy aesthetically about watching an athlete do anything you know i do think the jam in basketball one of the reasons i i like college basketball anyway the jam and the basketball is a very pretty thing to watch and exciting i do think a home run the reason people like a home run is there's something exciting about the swing. When someone connects well enough to hit a ball out of the park, it's a pretty thing to see. Like Barry Bonds, when he was, his quick swing, and when he was on steroids especially, it would be like, and it just the ball would just fly off there, and you knew it, and he would stand there. And that was exciting. And then, of course, watching a ball go out, is it going to go? How far is it going to go? There's some excitement in that. So there are certain plays, a perfect strike, uh, uh, by a pitcher, that it's pinpoint accuracy on the on the end a corner of a plate. That that can be exciting to watch a guy control a ball that much. Um, and certainly, hockey saves by a goalie. I think the reason goalies are popular is because a hockey a great pass, a deep ball thrown accurately, and you, you just wonder. You look at it like, how could he have thrown it all the way in the air and it drops right in stride? to that receiver and they grab it and they go right in the end zone or a great catch. So there are plays, don't get me wrong, but for the most part, the vast, 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 vast majority of sports when you watch it isn't exciting, isn't artistic, isn't beautiful, and it's not wonderful to watch it because of their athleticism. That is, people are entitled to that opinion, but I just think they're wrong. And I think that the 
for the most part, the only real reason to watch sports, for the most part, again, there are those moments of beautiful plays, is because you're rooting for one side. And you have a sense of wanting to win and to compete. And you don't have to be doing it to feel enjoyment and a thrill and excitement over over wanting to win and the, and the, and the thrill of competition. And so without loyalty and rooting for a team, to me, you've really gutted the sport. So back to soccer, sure, it's a very boring sport. And there's really very little to watch that's beautiful about that sport. Ever. But sometimes on a runaway, a, a soccer player can maneuver around people and then kick a goal, and it can be pretty. But for the most part, it's very unattractive to watch soccer in terms of any kind of aesthetic beauty and their athleticism. And of course, the game itself is extremely boring because there's not enough scoring. You know, there's just not enough action. But what I admire or understand about the, the huge popularity of football uh, internationally is. Um, that they are rooting for their team. They're, 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 they're fanatical fans. I mean, they get into fights and things, and stadiums have been destroyed, you know. <laughs> and, the, and there are teams for countries. That's why the Olympics and the, and the, and the, and the World Cup or whatever it's called is so it's, it's the, the, the countries are so impassioned behind their team. And it happens to be the kind of sport that's very simple so that anyone can learn it, and so it, it's spread throughout the world. Because it's not real complicated. Football is kind of complicated, you know. So it's an American sport that hasn't really caught on because it's just very unique, you know. Um, but I appreciate soccer fans. I don't like soccer. I'll never be a soccer fan. But at least, like I said, they understand sports because it's not about the beauty of the athleticism or lack thereof. It's not about the excitement of the scoring. It's about winning. It's about competing. And it's about loyalty to one team. And so that's why they love the sport. And I think unless you can get behind a team, you shouldn't watch the sport. Unless you can be loyal and, and really zealously support a team, then turn it off. Because I've tried, believe me, I've tried. We don't have an NBA team in my city of Pittsburgh. And yet I like basketball. I like the sport. I don't like NBA basketball very much. Uh, I, I don't like the shot clock being so short. I don't like the lack of, of, of passing it to shoot and everybody's doing a breakdown one-on-one -on -one move. I don't like that. I don't like how everyone's gigantic. I don't like the fact that only super tall people really make it. I like the college sport where there are a number of little guys where a big guy stands out on a team like, you know, NBA, they have their center, but I mean, shit, all the forwards and some of the guards are just as big. I mean, it's like, is that, a, is that the center? No, that's their point guard. What? You know? And, uh, but anyway, we don't have a team here, and I've tried to watch it in the playoffs even. And certainly when a local player like DeWan Blair went to Pitt, was from Pittsburgh, you know, he was in the NBA for uh, San Antonio Spurs and Dallas Mavericks and such, and I, I would watch him in the playoffs. And it was exciting to watch a local guy play. Um, but at the same time, uh, I just can't, I just can't get through an NBA game. I just find them boring. I find it boring because I don't really care about the team just because DeJuan Blair is on the team. Like for example, I would watch it, but I found myself just watching him. And if someone on their team scored, I was, if it wasn't Blair, I was unhappy. Like Blair was open. Why didn't you pass him the ball? So I wasn't enjoying San Antonio or whatever. I, 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 I was, uh, 
more or less just wanting Blair to be great. I was I was very much rooting only for him and not for the team. And I tried to support the team, but I found that in the end, my loyalty is all that really mattered, and I was rooting for one player. And so, I yeah, I can't because we don't have a team here in Pittsburgh. I cannot be an NBA fan. I tried. It just doesn't work. And when I was little, I got behind the Portland Trailblazers for a while because my dad bought me a book about their championship season in the 70s with Maurice Lucas and Bill Walton, and I, I tried to follow them, but I just lost interest. So at the end of the day, if I'm about loyalty and, and, and rooting, and to me, that is the beauty of sports, and that is sports at its essence. And all this other talk is pretty much a bunch of crap. The gambling, the fantasy teams, the, you know, watching it for the beautiful and how exciting the sport is, it's all crap. I mean, at the end of the day, it's about being a fan. And so if you're a member of the media and you're criticizing a fan because they are too much of a homer, that's like you couldn't do anything more stupid as a member of the media. And, and, and yet what we live in now in this culture where everybody's talking on social media and everybody's debating in the open Everybody's trying to be a snob about sports and they're arguing and acting like I'm more objective than you. You're a stupid fan. I'm a smart, actual, I watch tape and I can be objective and I know enough about other teams. And in fact, sometimes I root for other teams and I don't even care about my home team. And I'm from Pittsburgh and I like the Steelers, but I can love any team and I'm, I'm so open-minded. And it's, it's just like this competition of who can be, uh, the most anti-fan-ish. And you listen to the podcast. I listen to all the, you know, Steelers podcasts in particular. And so many of the members are, are, they just attack the fans, the whole podcast. They just talk about the hate mail they get and they try to one-up and they stamp. It's so funny. The podcasters make predictions because that's a big thing in sports. And, And nobody backs down. And, you know, a month can go by and they clearly were wrong about something they said and they'll just spin it and say, remember I said this thing and they'll mention some other thing. And they just ignore the things they said and they stood by and they rubbed in the fans' faces and they were dead wrong on. You know, and they never say, I was dead wrong on that. And there's so much ego involved, you know, with these podcasters and sports talking heads. And it's all about their how smart they are and their prognostications and they love to be smarter than the fan. So they end up just spending almost all the time talking, bashing the fan. Because why? Because it's about their ego. And sports becomes a competition for who's more objective and who has less passion and who can look at things more critically and who's more negative. Because that's a sign that you're not a stupid fan when you can rip off the team and be real negative and predict real bad things to happen. Because, hey, one out of ten times you'll be right and you'll look like a genius. But what about all those nine out of ten times when the Steelers are actually good and you've said nothing but negative things? Will you own up to it? Will you say, I was an idiot, I was, I was a, a negative Nancy, <laughs> and now I apologize for being a moron? No, they never say that. They pretend, they just shift and move on and stay with their negative anti-fan attitude. And so it's a really challenging thing to listen to these sports podcasts. And I don't know if it's Pittsburgh. Like, I have a feeling if I was in New York, the fans are negative in New York, and the media is positive. I listen to some of the New York guys. The media seems to be more positive because the fans are so negative. In Pittsburgh, the fans are real fans, which is to say they're loyal, and they have positive 
optimistic outlooks a lot of the time. So you find that all the media are bashing the fans all the time because they are supreme and smarter and objective. And I don't like, I, it's just a very frustrating thing because well, you want to hear people just talking about the sport in a way that's passionate and honest and true. And there are some guys in this town who are a part of the town who grew up here and don't want to set themselves above people and like to be among the people and are well-liked by the people. And so what you find, and one I'm thinking of in particular is Bob Pompiani, a local sportscaster is all he was. He was just a, you know, a sportscaster. He wasn't a talking head with opinions. He was just a guy that brought you the sports on the TV news. But he's evolved over the years into being sort of a legend because he's been around forever and he's a Pittsburgher and he knows all the sports and he stays up late and watches them all. He even watches the NBA. And at first you thought, well, but he's not really opinionated. He's just sort of like a, a, a front man for a media service. He's not really going to be controversial. And what you found is, no, he is opinionated. And now he's branched off in the last several years, 10 years or so, into radio, into television. And, and he's become one of the sports talking heads, almost like a journalist. And, and yet, unlike most of the other guys, he is supportive of the fans. And when fans have passionate sort of crazy ideas, he listens to them. And he actually considers it. And even though he might, in the end, disagree with it because he is more reasonable than the crazy fan, he doesn't mock the fan and ridicule the fan for being, for being you know, having this nutty idea because of their passion. He respects it, and he, and he understands that sometimes the fans are right when they're like that. Uh, uh, here's a perfect example. Now, this isn't about Bob Pompiani, but it's a perfect example. The Steelers are known for never making splash acquisitions. You know, Kevin Colbert, their GM, and, and, and the team itself over the years has been pretty conservative about free agency signings, where other teams like notoriously the Washington Redskins, Daniel Snyder, and the Philadelphia Eagles and Dallas Cowboys, they just sign every free agent under the sun and spend tons of money in the offseason. And they get all this media hype nationally because they acquire these big names. And they, everybody starts predicting they're going to win a bunch of games, and it never works out. I mean, you can't like make a Frankenstein monster team. You can't really piece together. Now, having said that, Tampa Bay pretty much did that recently and won the Super Bowl when they brought in Tom Brady and Antonio Brown and, and so on, and they, and they won a Super Bowl with it. So it can be done, but they also had a lot of good, they had a lot of good defensive players already in place uh, when they started to do their Frankenstein monster team. But for the most part, splashy signings, you know, free agent laying out the money, it never works. I mean, you, you have to do one or two here or there. Everybody needs to, to get some free agents. Every team evolves and changes and players leave. But the concept of just throwing money at players and building a great team, it just doesn't really work in the NFL. Uh, and the Steelers never really play that game. They never have. And so they, they always sign middling guys and guys that you're like, Oh, he's been in the league a few years. I didn't even know who he is. What's his story? And they've been really quite successful over the years with their free agency signings, even though most of the time when they bring guys in, you never heard of them or, or think they're, they're just moderately okay. Great example would be James Ferrier, who was a uh, number one draft pick of the New York Jets, but really wasn't anybody that anyone knew a thing about. And he came in here and really became a mainstay uh, at linebacker for the Steelers and had a really good career with us uh, when he signed here as a free agent. And there are more. Uh, Ryan Clark, 
uh, when he came over. I think he was from Denver. I'm trying to remember where he was from. But th- uh, there are a number of free agents that have come here over the years, and it's actually Colbert's getting better and better at it. Joe Hayden uh, is, is a recent one from the Cleveland Browns, and he wasn't even a free agent. I think they just cut him Cleveland, and we signed him. But but the point is picking up players from other teams. It's never usually a big, splashy thing. But recently, uh, not last year, but the year before, um, there was talk that Minka Fitzpatrick uh, from Miami you know, wanted, wanted out, and they, they were going to move players because they were stripping down their team. And so the fans were saying, let's get him, let's get him. We need him. We need a safety. It would be great. People that loved him, you know, from his days with Alabama and how great he was, they wanted to make a Fitzpatrick. And um, the local media was all dumb fans. How stupid you are. The Steelers don't do that. Do you realize the draft capital they'd have to give up to get him? They don't give up draft picks like that. They're never going to do that. You dumb, stupid fans. Just stop it. Why are you even talking about it? I guess we have to talk about the Minka Fitzpatrick rumors. But oh my God, you know, that's Pittsburgh. All these people that think they know sports, but they don't understand. You know, and just mocking and ridicule. And then what, what, what do you know? Colbert gives up a number one draft pick and gets him. And by the way, he's been great. He's been great, and it was a great pickup. And we didn't, we don't miss that number. He's he is a number one draft pick. I mean, basically, we gave up a pick that would have been him, and he's young, very young. So we lost nothing in that move. It was absolutely a brilliant move, and he's, he was been a, he's been a great acquisition. And the fans were fucking right. The fans were right to suggest it and to want it, and the Steelers did it. And none of the media got down on their knees and apologized to the fans. They were all surprised. But none of them took back the nasty things they said to the fans about the fans when the fans were suggesting that move. When it finally came to fruition, they did not say, boy, I'm sorry, fans out there. I'll I'll try not to be an asshole to you as much in the future when you suggest things. I'll listen. But someone like Bob Pompiani does. He listens and he respects fans even if what they're saying is total batshit crazy. (laughs) But most of the media, it's all about their ego, and it's all about being arrogant. And so what I try to bring when I talk about sports, and especially the Steelers, is I fight back against this uh, hierarchy, this because the media only makes a living because of the fans. Okay, that's a fact. You know, the only reason... Newspaper writers and radio personalities and podcast people, the only reason any of them make money, have a salary, are because of fans. That's it. If the fans were gone, the sport would be gone and all their jobs would be gone. And yet, they are snobs. They are incredible snobs. They are arrogant. It reminds me of Jesus in the Gospels talking about the religious hypocrites and the elders of the church and all of that. And how he said they tear their clothing and they walk around with all of these things hanging from their hair and they pray loudly and wail in the open spaces. And, you know, they put on a show for you all. And they're wrong. All of that is, you know, you go to your room, close your door and go on your knees and God who sees everything will see you praying, you know. And keep, don't don't look sad and when you're fasting, don't look dirty and unclean. Look, smile and look bright and clean and dress your up. God will know you're fasting, you know. It's not about the show you're putting on. Uh, 
Because at the end of the day, the, the, the leaders and the people with power, it's, it should not be about them. And the sports personalities, it shouldn't be about their predictions and what they think and what they know. I mean, even an old-timer like Stan Sabern, who's been in the Pittsburgh area for years and years, too much, I like him a lot, but there's still too much ego in him. Uh, you know, he, he likes to come up with what he thinks are cutting-edge, brilliant concept ideas that only he could have thought of to talk about on his show, and he hammers them home. And he thinks, and sometimes it's a real tired idea that everyone thought of, you know, two years ago and nobody bothered to talk about it and Stan thinks he's just discovered something new and he talks about it over and over again it's like uh yeah Stan yes we we all have thought that but we realized it was dumb so can we move on <laughs> but it's 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 the point is I understand you're creating a show and you need to be a personality and you know uh Mark Madden locally is the shock jock and the guy who hates on the Steelers and hates on the Pirates and only love the, loves the Penguins. And then he hates on his own listeners and he hates on the fans even of the Penguins and calls them all dumb. And, you know, he's made a living at that. The problem is if you listen to him at all, you realize he means it. And so he's just nasty. And it's not entertainment. It's not fun. You know, you remember Howard Stern back in the day. He was the, initial, the original shock jock. And he would say some off-the-wall things and some crude things. And you started to say, this is offensive. I don't like this guy. But the more you listened to him and actually learned about the guy, he really, he really wasn't a bad guy at heart. And he's, he's always – he's a good person. He just um, – it was surprising to hear someone be that off-the-cuff and that crude and that open about some taboo subject matter um, on the radio. And someone to be openly critical and uh, challenging of things on the radio. Um, but at the end of the day, once you got to know him more and he's lasted all these years, precisely because he's not a jag off. He's not a bad guy. That initial sort of sense of repugnancy you might have had was just because he was shaking you up with his thoughts and ideas and his behavior. And you might not have liked it because you're like, that's not what I think. A guy on the radio should be saying or doing. But after you got used to him and learned him more and got to know him, you realized he had, a, he had good motives at heart and he did care. And he cares about his guests and he cares about the subject matter. matter where Mark Madden here in Pittsburgh, he doesn't care. When he says he doesn't give a shit and he only watches it because he has to for his job, he means that. When he says he doesn't care about the Pirates at all, but he, but he only brings them up because it's, you know, it's part of his job as a sports guy. He means that. When he says he'll be happy if the Steelers lose this year, he means that. He bet the under. He did. He actually bet on their win total. Um, and, he, and he said years ago, I heard him say maybe 15 years ago or something, or 10 years ago, that he never liked the Roonies, that they, there's, some, there's some personal grudge he has against the ownership of the Steelers. And so he loves tearing them down. Um, and so what, bottom line is, you know, look, people are people and there's a lot of bad people out there and they're very egotistical and they're very selfish and they're very mean spirited. And what I've discovered is most of the sports writers are exactly that. They're arrogant. They have mediocre educations. They're not very bright, but they're in a area where there are a lot of not so bright people. And so in the, in the land of the blind, the one eyed man is king. So these people get these jobs and just because they can string a few sentences together, they start to bully everyone. Absolute power corrupts absolutely. And so you see these media types that really are hacks and really are uneducated, really are pretty stupid people. 
but uh, they're, le- they're leaders and they're famous in the sense that they're celebrities in the media. And so therefore, they can be mean to the dumbass fans, even though it is the fans who are paying their salary. And instead of respecting the fans and understanding that without the fans, they won't exist, they just bully the fans, hate on the fans, and for some reason, they continue to keep their jobs. And if I were running the show and I had a newspaper or a radio station, once my writer or whoever started to continually show a bad habit of needing to bash the fans, I would fire that person. I would fire that person. Case in point, Dale Lawley, who works for the Steelers Radio Network, but also works for DK Pittsburgh Sports, which is a local uh, online publication. He's very knowledgeable about the Steelers, but it's all about his ego. And I've gotten over it, and so I, I enjoy him, and I'm, I'm fine with him, but he's constantly sparring with the fans. And he's constantly saying, people say this, and people say that, and he's laughing at them and mocking them. And it's, his entire shtick is knowing more than the dumb fan and bullying them, really, and mocking them. And, uh, but he's not, he does it sort of like very deadpan. He's not emotional. He's not, he's not like Mark Madden, uh, who's very hostile and mean. But at his core, he still has zero respect for the fans, really, on the whole. And I would fire him, even though I like him. Even though, you know, I listen to him, I, I won't miss him. I, I, if whoever, if the Steelers, Steelers Radio Network in particular should fire him. I mean, he can work for DK or whatever, but, but that's the Steelers Radio Network. They should love their fans. The Steelers Nation, they call it, you know, Steeler Nation, you know, we are one and all this stuff. Well, well Dale Lolly hates Steelers Nation. So, I mean, he mocks them and rips them off all the time. So, I mean, I don't care how competent or good he is, just his negative attitude towards others uh, I fire him, you know, because sports is about loyalty and sports is about being a fan and sports is about allow, being allowed to have passion and being allowed to be stupid because you're blinded by your loyalty. You're allowed to be like that because that's what sports is. It's the beauty of being impassioned. It's the beauty of letting your reason go because you're just so filled with joy or happiness or excitement. I mean, that should be okay. Nobody should be mocked for that and certainly not on the radio or in print or on Twitter. And so if I ran a business that was sports oriented, where our salaries were clearly you know, being dictated by popularity and, and people watching us, I wouldn't enjoy my people being provocative and anti-fan and bashing them. And in fact, if I had someone working for me who was like that, I would fire them. And I would want the people working for me to be pro-fan. And we have a radio station they call The Fan, and they've opened up all across the country. You know, why fan in New York or whatever they're called, and then, then they've moved everywhere. They've branched out, CBS Radio, they created all these stations, sports stations, called The Fan. And the idea was actually taking calls from fans, 24-7 sports talk, where they actually give a fuck about The Fan. Well, guess what The Fan doesn't give a fuck about? The Fan. I mean, you listen to the radio show, and they don't care at all about The Fans. And they treat the fans like shit. And it's just funny because they're still called The Fan. In Pittsburgh, it's 93.7. 93.7, The Fan. The station where the fans don't fucking matter at all. When we come back, we won't be taking your calls. We'll be telling you our opinions and talking to other people with their opinions. And when you call, we'll cut you off and be very rude to you. On The Fan. So, I mean, honestly, um, sports is challenging. Because if, you're a, if you know the right reason to be a fan, which in my opinion, my not-so-humble opinion, is to loyally and zealously support your team. 
and to love it and to be intelligent about it and keep up to date and have knowledge about it. But to not worry if you are a homer, uh, not worry so much about being objective and don't care about all these other teams because you're such a knowledgeable person to know this. That's not the important reason to be a sports fan. So once you know that and accept that, it's very hard to care about these media types and all that, but you want to live in the sport. You want to enjoy it. You want to have fun with it. So you want to hear talk about it. You want to read about it. But unfortunately, you can't because everybody that you see is so awful. You try to enjoy listening to podcasts, reading uh, media, and it's all a bunch of arrogant, egotistical, judgmental pricks who are shitting all over you, the fan. And don't at all respect the fact that you're the whole reason they're making any money at a job. And so it's very frustrating. So my philosophical point of view when I create these podcasts is to bring to the forefront all of that kind of thought process. And most sports fans, it's all dumbed down. It's all jockified. It's all C grade in high school kind of lumped together. And there's not a lot of room for any emotional analysis or psychological analysis. And you're treated like you're a whack job or crazy or stupid if you talk about sports that way. It's all just about cold, hard facts and analytical analysis and stats. And, and opinions are only valid if you can objectively state them. And all this crap that has nothing to do with sports. None of that has anything really to do with sports. Sports are about passion. Sports are about zealous support uh, and loyalty and competition and winning sports are about winning. And, um, so, you know, once you know that and accept that as the reality of the best thing about sports and really the only reason for them, then it becomes quite challenging to traverse the world of the media of sports when the media of sports is so the antithesis of that. The media of sports is everybody joining together to pretend they have no loyalty, to pretend they have no zealousness, that they don't get excited, that they're not emotional. They're all joining together and pretending like they're robots and spitting out statistics. And they're one-upping each other and who has the most objective, cool, non-emotional knowledge and it's just frustrating. And there's so much hatred of the fan, you know, and it's all about the fans. Sports are about the fans. They're not about the athletes. They're not about the teams. They're certainly not about the sports writer or the radio talking head at all. Sports are first and foremost and really 95% about fans. That's why they're there. That's why they exist. See, movies aren't. Movies and music, they're not about the listener and the person. They really are an item in and of themselves. They can exist as a work of art, as a song, a beautiful piece of music. And, 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 and the creation stands alone as something that has merit, regardless if anyone hears it. A, a great song is a great song, even if there are no ears around. It is a, a beautiful piece of work of art. But a sport is worthless. Two teams playing for what? If nobody is rooting for them, if they don't, what, if they win. What do they win? If no fans care, what is the trophy? Then it's what for the guys on the team. You would have to argue that for a sport to be inherently meaningful without fans, it would mean that the people on that team want to win and care, and that's it. But the reality is they're all bought and paid for in professional sports, and they they only care because they join together. But the truth is they don't really care. If you took that money away, they'd walk out. They wouldn't play the goddamn thing. They don't really care about winning in sports. They care about winning in sports once they sign the contract and they are a team, a paid player. Then, yes, part of their job is to care and win. 
but take away the money and they will not play the damn thing. If they do, it's for fun. And, you know, that's what we all do. We play sports for fun. If you want to talk about the beauty of sports for in and of itself, it's the games that kids play. It's, it's the, it's the pickup basketball game that neighbors play or whatever. That's sports for fun. When you're talking about professional sports, it's all about the fans. Without the fans, it's dumb. It makes no sense. Disband all of them. Without respect for the fan, adoration of the fan, support of the fan, without, without understanding that the fans are the only thing that really matters, then why are you having these sports? Just disband them all. Break them up. It's, it's meaningless. And certainly the radio stations that talk about it and the newspapers and the blogs and completely meaningless without the fans. Completely worthless without the fans. Worthless. So these arrogant, nasty, mean-spirited, talking heads that are bashing the fans all the time, there's, it's, it's the definition of worthlessness. To be in a thing that only matters because of the very thing that you're destroying and putting down every day. You know, the fan. It's, 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 it's despicable and it's mentally ill, really. It's a form of madness. And the fact that sports fans allow that to be said and they're all trying to one-up each other. The fans themselves are trying to one-up one, one another for who can be the coldest, most objective, least emotional, you know, purveyor of, of knowledge, alleged knowledge and, and prognostications that end up being correct. And all that kind of crap, um, and as opposed to the, the the beauty and joy of the emotional thrill of being a fan and trying to win and being loyal. So I want to bring to the idea of sports, you know, the emotion, the the the, the real reason for the for the whole damn thing. And um, so when I comment on sportscasters or things about my team. It's about, in my opinion, again, this is just my opinion, but I think I'm right. It's about the thing that matters the most. And I'm getting to the heart of what really matters. And I think that there are some people out there that are really good at that in sports, but not enough. And so why would I ever do a podcast on the Steelers or any kind of sport? It's because I have the ability, I think, to see an emotional, open, real, honest, true thing that matters and talk about it where uh, a lot of these other talking heads in sports are just trying to go through stats and figures and and poo-poo anything that really matters and try to downplay any excitement like over a quarterback. They say, oh, the fan is never there. The best person in town is always the backup quarterback. The fans always want someone new and they don't know what they're doing and the dumb, stupid fans. When the reality of the situation is a quarterback controversy and a battle for who's going to be the quarterback is exciting. It's fun. And you don't want to be satisfied with a mediocre quarterback. So even if they're decent, but you know they're not really good, of course you always want the next guy because you're hoping to find someone who's really good. And, and you're hoping to find someone who finally can take you to the promised land and win a Super Bowl. So it's normal and, in fact, sane and correct to want a, a quarterback battle if, if the otherwise head guy isn't very good, you know? Why wouldn't you want a controversy and a battle if the league guy is, you know, clearly not the answer, <laughs> He's just a, a, a placeholder. But the media acts like, oh, well, he's very competent. And you're never going to find anything better. And they're the same way about head coaches. 
if your team starts to lose, but they say, but he's a very good coach. He's like, well, he might be, but we're not winning enough anymore, and I want a coach that can help us win, don't you? Well, good luck trying to find a coach that's anywhere near as good. Well, we'll have to find out, won't we? I mean, you'll be sorry you got rid of him. Mediocrity is better than nothing. No, it really isn't. Nobody plays sports to come in second, let alone middle of the pack. They, they play the sport to win and come in first. And if you have decided that your coach is a guy that will never get you there because he's consistently mediocre, then I would rather have a team that falls down into the shithole and stinks, but at least we're trying to hire a coach that can win than staying with the guy, Jamie Dixon at Pitt, for example, who's proven that he's never going to win anything ever. He's only going to be mediocre. And his days where he was hot and he had the team really looking like they make it over the hump, they're gone. And now that now you know with him as, as head coach of Pitt basketball, he was never, never going to get over that hump. And the Pitt was never going to win. They weren't even getting in, in the NCAA tournament anymore under Jamie Dixon. Yet people tried to act like it was wrong to get rid of him. And yes, Pitt has sucked really bad since they got rid of him. But they weren't any good when they had him the last several years either. Let's be honest. And I would rather they suck and try to find another good coach and turn things around and really become good again than sit there with Jamie Dixon. So at the end of the day, if you have an understanding of what really matters in sports, then things like that, you'll see the truth in them, which is it's time. It's okay to say fire the coach sometimes, not all the time. I, you know, we all have to acknowledge that there are fans are certainly in the moment, in the pa moment of passion. They say some pretty ridiculous things. They get pretty drastic. It is like the things become the end of the world because they're worked up and passionate. And, and later when they cool off, they realize, okay, maybe that was a little bit over the top, you know, but that doesn't mean that they're always wrong when they say fire the coach. That doesn't mean that they're always wrong when they say something's wrong on this team. We need to make a change. You can't just constantly say, no, 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 just stay the course and be mediocre and never win a goddamn thing, fan, and be happy with that. No, you can't tell a fan that. I'm sorry. I'm sorry that the greatest teams are formed when coaches are fired and new guys are gotten and quarterbacks are changed and, you know, and eventually the pieces fall into place. You know, sure, you go through some years of chaos and where things aren't working out, but eventually when you make these moves, things click and then you become the New England, New England Patriots and you win forever when you get, you know, Brady with Belichick teamed up. It's a perfect example. You know, you moving parts, moving parts. The Patriots are always interesting over the years prior to Belichick, prior to Brady. They, they were in the playoffs off and on. They had different, you know, they got the Super Bowls and everything else. But but they never were really consistent, you know, even though they had Parcells, even though, you know, they had Drew Bledsoe. They had different players that were worthy of things, but they just couldn't really become consistently good. And then they got the head coach and the quarterback and they clicked and but if they had just sat pat and were okay with their inconsistencies and mediocrities they would have, we would have never had that dynasty that that be well, what am i saying i hate i hate the patriots I, I wish they had sat pat but the point is it's a story that it's an example of how uh, wanting change and uh, complaining is not just being a whiny fan it's it's being wise frankly and understanding that in the end, it's about winning. And if you're not winning enough, make changes. Have high standards. Push your team and your sport to be better than just okay. Try to be the best. That's what it's about. That's what it's about. As far as I'm concerned, if your team, your ownership, 
your head coach, whatever, is not trying every year to win it all and be the best, uh, then, you know, get rid of them. Um, because if they're just treading water and they think that's good enough, then disband the whole team. Because, again, that's not why sports exist. Sports don't exist to just tread water. They exist to win for the drama, the competition, and for the fan. And the fan wants to win. And they want to be, want to be loyal to something that's really good. And so I don't think when a team becomes really bad like the Pirates, if you fade away, you're, there's nothing wrong with you as a fan. Fans want to win. They want to compete. If your team's not competing, the, the sport loses its flavor. To the, to, the, to the majority of fans, the right fans, the fans who love sports for the right reason, which is to win and to compete and that sense of loyalty. It, it disappears when your team just is, sucks and they're not even seemingly try to win like the Pirates. So um, I, I, I totally support the fan as, a, as an, uh, the essence of a fan and they have a right to be stupid. And they have a right to say uh, overly dramatic, stupid things. Uh, and, and I think they should be listened to and respected for those opinions. Even if they are coming out of left field or clearly over the top a little bit, they should still be respected for their opinions. And with that in mind, I'll just end by saying the Pittsburgh Steelers, at the end of last year, I was done with them. <laughs> I was done with Tomlin and I was done with Ben because I decided that we're never going to win with those two ever again. But now that they're back, I'm excited for this team because I really do think they have a lot of talent. Yet the media nationally has given up on them, and the media thinks they're done. And the media, media saw them at the end of last year, and they, with no loyalty to the team, with no loyalty or desire or passion for the Steelers, said that's a washed-up team. So, But what's funny about it is you have a Hall of Fame quarterback. And the same media types will agree that Ben will get in first ballot. And yet they're saying he stinks and the Steelers stink with him at quarterback. And they're, they're necessarily then insulting the Roonies and the Steeler ownership because they're saying they brought him back. So if they're bringing back a quarterback who's washed up and done, then they must be really dumb. I mean, why would they do that? They want to win. Why would they bring back a guy that the national media is correct, if they are, in assuming he's done? You know, So it's interesting. It's interesting that they claim to respect Ben's career Yet they completely are disrespecting him for the coming season. And they claim to think Tomlin's a really good head coach, and they talk about it. And they rank him, and they say, oh, he's definitely in the top 10 in the NFL and all this. Yet they predict the Steelers will stink. Well, why? They have, they have one of the best coaches in the NFL. Don't you think that should help them be better? I mean, when they didn't have a quarterback and they had to go with Mason Rudolph and Duck Hodges, they got to 8-5 and five and almost made the playoff. And that was because of Mike Tomlin, too. Yet, this year they're going to suck? Where's the respect for Mike Tomlin? They allege that he's a good coach, but then they pick the Steelers to stink when they have a lot of talent on the team. They allege they think Ben's a Hall of Fame quarterback, yet they pick the Steelers to stink. And to be third in the division, maybe even fourth, to the likes of the Browns, who have a new coach and have proven nothing, and Baker Mayfield, who by you know by his play even last year wasn't as good as Ben last year. So he might have outplayed him in the playoff game, but that was one game. In the other game earlier in the season, Ben way outplayed Baker Mayfield. So it's interesting that they they somehow decide that Ben's a Hall of Famer, that Tomlin's great, yet Cleveland is better. 
Um, and, and same with Baltimore. Um, a new quarterback wins an MVP, but then he has a follow-up here not nearly as good. But, of course, he's still way better than Ben, and Ben's a washed-up loser. It's confusing. Um, and same thing with the defense. The defense was third and almost first in sacks. And, third, and yet, a really good defensive team with a Hall of Fame quarterback and a very good head coach, they're going to stink and be not make the playoffs and be below middle of the pack? Really? With a really good defense? Absolutely going to be at least a top 10 defense. Everyone will agree to that. So a top 10 defense at, at worst, uh, uh, one of the best head coaches in the sport, a first ballot Hall of Famer at quarterback, yet they're going to stink. It's, it's just interesting, you know? It's very interesting. But, but having said that, I also feel... I wanted Tomlin gone. I wanted Ben gone because I don't think we can win with them. I don't think when it comes time to put up at a big game, they have it in them anymore. And I just think they've worn out their welcome for me. Yet, now that that's over and the wounds have healed and we're coming into a new season, I look at the team and I have hope in Ben again. And I have hope in Tomlin. And I'm excited for the season. Now, am I being stupid? Is the national media correct? Are they sort of coldly, objectively just seeing that we're finished and I'm just being a dumb fan. What I say to that again is still, wait a minute, we still have Tomlin and Ben and they are still allegedly player, a coach and a player who are so good they're Hall of Fame worthy. Well, I don't understand then why, why we should suck. I don't understand. Um, so I'm just putting that out there as I'm confused myself uh, in that I, if I had... If I had had my way, we would have gotten a new head coach and told Ben, no thanks, don't come back, and be going with Mason Rudolph or uh, Haskins. Haskins, is that his name? Oh, am I blanking on his name? You know, the new quarterback we got from Washington. Uh, you know, I, I'd actually give him the starting job over Mason, I think, this year if, if Ben wasn't around. And um, and this defense and Najee Harris, and I, we'd run the ball and just try to go with a new quarterback and – See what we had. That's what I would. Uh, that's what I would have done. That's what I would have done in the off season. But the Steelers chose this path, and I'll be honest. Ben Roethlisberger looks so much better at quarterback than the other two, and I, I'm glad they did it. I, I'm glad they stayed the course, and I'm going to have hope in Tomlin and Ben one more time. And so, um, although I can understand then why the national media is so down on the Steelers because I was down on them when I watched them collapse in that first quarter of that playoff game. On the other hand, they're going way too far and acting like the Steelers don't have the, a very talented roster, which they do. And so I don't understand, and the young roster, by the way. A lot of the national people have the misperception spinning around their heads that they're old. They're not old. Uh, you know, aside from Ben and um, Cam Hayward on the defensive line, Really, all their stars and all their best players are quite young. Uh, Hayden's getting up there, too, uh, in, sec in the secondary. But otherwise, they're quite young. They're quite young uh, in the other secondary positions, in the middle and outside linebackers. Uh, Highsmith's young. Uh, uh, T.J. Watt's young. Um, now they've got new talent in the offense. Their receiving core is very young. They have a, a rookie running back, Najee Harris. They've got a... Really exciting-looking rookie tight end. They have their offensive lines all very young. I mean, they're young, yet they're treated like they're washed up, they're old, they're finished. It's confusing. 
You know, it's confusing. Uh, so I, I, I feel like I'll we, I'm willing to give one last chance to Tomlin and Ben, and I'm crossing my fingers. And, and regardless, regardless of how it turns out, I know the Steelers are going to have a winning record because they have a very talented roster. And, and they may not win it all, and they may choke in the playoffs again, and they may not make the playoffs, but they're going to have a winning record. Uh, and, I, and I firmly believe that all it takes in a 17-game season is to be 9-8. and eight. Yeah, the Steelers are going to win nine games. Um, guaranteed. I guarantee that. And the question is, well, can they actually be like good? Will it click? And I think they certainly have a roster where it could. And like I said, I'm willing to give one last chance to Tomlin slash Ben together as a team. And we'll see. We'll see if Ben once again falls apart at the end, chokes in the big game. We'll see if Tomlin, you know, doesn't really have the stuff to, to, to coach a great game when it matters. You know, if those days are gone, we'll see. <clears throat> we'll see. Um, but I, I would rather, the, the bottom line is this. I would rather be the Steelers with Mike Tomlin and Ben Roethlisberger and the defense we have and the reputation and the history we have in this city with our fans than almost every other team in the NFL coming into this season. Uh, the, only other, the only other team uh, and environment that I think would rival it um, would be Tampa Bay coming off the Super Bowl win, Buffalo, because that's a really good football town, and they have an exciting young quarterback, and they're coming off a very good season. Um, Kansas City, because they have the best quarterback in the game, and that's also a very good football town. Um, and they have a good head coach, and they won a Super Bowl recently and got to another. Um but that's it. I mean, you can't tell me Baltimore, their whole package, that they are in, in as good a shape as the Steelers. And certainly not Cleveland. That's a joke. Just because of the city, the fans, their reputation, the winning history, they don't have it yet. They could get there. Okay. Maybe they're in the process of building it. But you can't tell me coming into this year, the Steelers aren't superior to them with regard to the whole package. And nothing in the AFC West other than Kansas City. Uh, certainly, you know, the, uh, people are excited about the Chargers, but they just moved. They're just in a new area. They're, they don't even have a fan base really yet. And this quarterback of theirs is just, he had an okay season, and he looks pretty good, but he, they have established nothing yet. They've done nothing ever. And they they're, they're, they were perennially overrated with the with the Philip Rivers, too. I mean, some of these teams, man, people just love overrating them year after year. I mean, I just don't think that there, 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 there's hardly any teams in the NFL. I named the three. I think that's it. Buffalo, Kansas City, and Tampa Bay. Other than those three teams, I, I'll take the Steelers. Because Green Bay, that controversy in Aaron Rodgers, that's, that's got a sting, man. You know, I, I know the Wisconsin fans. I lived up there four years, and I know how loyal they are, and they're really a good fan base. But no matter how good he's been, the shit he's been pulling over this, now now he's back in it. You know, I wouldn't be a fan of him. It'd be hard. I think that's that controversy is gonna is gonna linger. And 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 I just feel like that there's always something missing with the Packers. Ever since they beat the Steelers in the Super Bowl eleven years ago or whatever it was, there's always been something missing with Aaron Rodgers. They're, they have good teams, but not great, and they can't get over that hump. 
And I don't think anything's different. And again, I would rather be the Steelers with their roster and their coach and their fan base and their history coming into this year than the Packers. Absolutely. I mean, it's close. They're a decent team, the Packers. I'm just saying I choose the Steelers. I'm, I'm glad to be a Steeler fan rather than a Packer fan coming into this year. Certainly over the Baltimore and Cleveland. Again, everyone else in the FC except this year, I would say Buffalo and Kansas City. I think I'd... That they have a they have a little bit more of an excitement built up there and, and reason for it and a good fan base and some real talent and they you know they're definitely uh, above the Steelers in terms of if you had to pick a setup that was more promising for the coming season uh, but that's it just those two teams no other team in the FC has a setup that's more promising than the Steelers. That, that, you, you, that you can come up with reasons to believe more than you can with the Steelers and nothing in the NFC other than Tampa Bay. I, I'm sorry. So um, I think the Steelers come into this year being, uh, they should be ranked. If, if people were trying to see the truth of what's going on here, they'd probably rank the Steelers fourth in the NFL, maybe fifth behind Green Bay if they were biased towards Aaron Rodgers and his greatness, like so many are. Um, fourth or fifth. In the NFL. Uh, that's what I would rank the Steelers coming into this season. And instead, they're being ranked by most outfits like 17th out of the playoffs. In the bl- second half of the league. It's amazing. It's amazing. So we will see what happens. But rest assured that if I ever make another podcast on the Steelers, it will be, again, attacking the media, standing up for the fans, asserting the psychological and emotional aspects of, of sports as a priority and as the most important and frankly only, really only important thing about sports. And that's what I'm going to constantly hammer home because that's my angle. That's my spin. I'm there for the fan, the real fan. And I'm there to take down the arrogant, monopolizing, hypocritical media. Ego, egomaniacal uh, media and their disrespect for the, the people paying their salaries. That's my spin on sports always, and it will remain that as long as I care about sports. I love you. Thank you for listening. God bless. Yabba da boop